and welcome back to the Respawning Podcast. It's been quite a while since we were our last podcast focusing around EGX, and today we are finally back here with episode 17 of the podcast. And today I'm joined by Lance. Hello. And Will Andrews. Evening. Hey, how are you both? I'm, I'm good, thank you very much, yeah. Wicked, not wicked. Bad, not bad. Will, how are you? Uh, not too shabby at all, mate. Fair enough. The life's so promising. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a plus, that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's coming up to Christmas as well, so, you know. <laughs> Got that to look yeah. forward to. Yay. Unless I'm surrounded by humbugs. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it was a humbug. It's just it's always a stressful time of year for everyone, I think, regardless if uh, they like Christmas or not. True, true. Well, let's lighten up the mood with some light-hearted discussion, which will probably turn into an argument later. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess we'll start off with the old tradition. So, I guess I'll go Will. What have you been playing recently? Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that I've been absolutely sessioning Fallen Order and nothing else. Yes, <laughs> definitely. My entire life has revolved around that game for the last few months and expecting it, and now it's out. I, I've finished it in one weekend, and now I'm just 100%ing it. So Jesus. <laughs> and we'll get on to your, um, your feelings on Fallen Order sort of a little bit later as we've got a couple of topics regarding uh, Star Wars and Fallen Order and obviously The Mandalorian and everything like that and some stuff you're doing tonight as well. But um, I guess my, my quick fire question to you would be, was it worth the wait? It was 100% worth the wait. Good, good. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Lance, what are you up to? Uh, I've been playing Borderlands 3. Uh, because unlike Will, I've been unfortunate enough not to be able to get a hold of uh, a copy of The Fallen Order yet. I have to wait till the end of the month. So I'll be honest with you, when you started talking then, I did put, put you on mute for a couple of seconds and did check in just to make sure there was no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. No need to worry. No need to worry at all. No spoilers here. <laughs> cool. So yeah, no, I just pulled Land 3. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about it a little bit more in a bit, but uh, I have been... Mm. Like Will, actually, rinsing the hell out of it. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I guess I'm sort of the anomaly here. I haven't actually purchased Fallen Order at all. Um, even though, you know, I, I really do actually want to get into it either on PC or on PS4. But it's it's sort of another one of those games that has unfortunately come at a really difficult time for me, sort of financially. Just sort of split past the radar, kind of like Nier Automata and then God of War, even though, yes, I do have God of War now, but just haven't played it. Uh, and all these other games as well that I've sort of missed out from this current sort of year. So, yeah, I'm definitely interested to try and hop on it sooner rather than later especially before uh before cyberpunk comes out and obviously halo master chief collection starts releasing on pc because that's going to absorb all my time like a motherfucker so <laughs> yeah that's uh you're gonna lose me for about two or three weeks until christmas so <laughs> but no i guess uh, in terms of gaming like things have been actually really really quiet on my end um i've actually been surprisingly really getting back into uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! duel links on my uh my ipad actually um uh-huh. been going through ever since a lot of the meta changes have happened and they've introduced synchro summoning now so you know things have changed quite a bit from when i last played it about a year ago and uh it's it's really been gripping me again just sort of helping me to uh appreciate why i love Yu-Gi-Oh so much and just the the weird yet annoying yet endearing anime bullshit that just surrounds every single fiber of its being and it's just well that magnificent that clearly explains the random question in chat asking if anybody else was playing it now exactly yeah. because i want to kick your asses now. it does make it makes perfect <laughs> sense because when i saw it just asking if anyone has played or is playing and it was just complete silence 
I was like, well, I don't know what it is, so I'm not going to say anything. Mm, that was very sad. That one. <laughs> I, I did cry to myself in the corner for, for a left, good Left out hours. in the cold on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But no, other than that, things have been very, very quiet on my end. Uh, we've recently actually uh, gotten Ring Fit Adventure for the Nintendo Switch, which is that weird uh, sort of like fitnessy hybrid game thing with the ring haven't yet had a chance to really well i want to say sit down and try it but it's more like stand up sprint and try it uh but i've been planning to sort of put some time into that a little bit later or maybe next week sort of give my impressions on it uh and then also been on the topic of returning to old games i've also been playing a lot of minecraft recently which is very weird because (laughs) yeah well well it's very sort of nostalgia focused for myself and my partner because we used to sort of um, just spend hours and hours and hours because we had a long distance relationship initially uh, and we should right, just spend okay. it in minecraft basically and now that we're living together side by side it's kind of like a little like uh, guilty pleasure game to go back to every now and again mm-hmm. and um just exploring all the different mod packs and stuff and just seeing what there is in the community and everything and it's just mind-boggling how people are doing some of this stuff in it oh so, completely some of the things yeah. that i've seen in terms of i mean i saw the was it the Lord of the Rings one that they built? Uh, oh, I don't yes. know which structure it was now, but yeah, yeah, they built. I remember seeing that as well. I was, yeah, I was quite blown away with that because I saw some photos and it was yeah, it was quite impressive. It's definitely, definitely. So, on the topic of being blown away, I guess Will, uh, I should open up the floor for you to <laughs> absolutely gush about Fallen Order. So, oh, I guess, Go. yeah. How do you feel about Fallen Order? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Uh, there is Let much loose. I don't like about it, that's for sure. Um, I am 100% a massive fan of this game. It's it's probably the Star Wars game fans have been waiting for for years. It's just... Mm. Everything about it is phenomenal. And as I said in my review, and as Luke's pointed out, um, a lot of people were worried about sort of a Soulsborne-like game. Yeah, but yeah. It actually plays a hell of a lot more like a, well, like Sekiro, really, or Sekiro, or however you pronounce it, mm. um, since it's all about sort of parrying, blocking, and basically doing what Jedi do, which is like dodging and avoiding combat. Yeah. But it's it, every part of it has just been a great experience, and it's just, it's nursed that fire inside me that is my Star Wars nerdiness. <laughs> it sticks to the lore so well it adds new lore ideas and I can't hmm. say much more without ruining it for Lance <laughs> <What's about laughs> to be fair I do have a few questions that I know you can answer without giving it away I think my, my main question at the moment with Fallen Order is what with it now being made canon and obviously this being officially part of the Star Wars universe as so says Disney does it fit in? Does it have this? Does it fit in with the the story so far and what we know yeah. about Star Wars and what what we you know what we've seen on the screens? It definitely does, um, mostly because it. I think it's where its time frame has decided to be set. Okay. Because it's it's set only five years after the conclusion of the Clone Wars, right? Uh, which is like a section of time that we still really don't know a huge amount about. No, yeah. So it, it has plenty of wiggle room there, but um, again, it's doing its best to include canon from all over the place to make things make sense. Like um, I say in my review, there's a point, and I'm sure you've seen in one of the trailers, there's a point where you come across Atats on Kashyyyk. Yes, yes. And they are using the design from Rebels. Um, oh, okay. And that has okay. now been made the canon design for the early Atat. 
and now they're like, yeah, the, the one you see in Empire is like a later updated design. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, that's a clever little touch. So, yeah, just stuff like that makes every part of the experience fit a lot better. Hmm. I think my other question as well in terms of Fallen Order is, what with the fact that, as you just said then, that there's little nods to here and there, is it someone that isn't in that much into Star Wars somewhat something some they can enjoy? Uh, so far, I actually have a friend of mine, uh, McCabe, he sometimes does respawning stuff with us, but he is currently playing through it. He's not the biggest Star Wars fan. He's seen, I think he's seen most, he's seen all the main films, but he hasn't seen any of the sort of spin-off titles. Okay, so like the um, Clone, uh, Clone Wars animated series. Same, and yeah, he hasn't, same as me. hasn't seen anything same like that, and he right. is really enjoying like the lore and everything and the adventure. Um, he's not overall enjoying the experience, but he admits that's because he's terrible at it. Uh, he hasn't mastered the game yet, and it's kicking his ass, and he's not 100% right. okay with it. But he, even he admits that the lore in it has kept him incredibly, sort of, in, well, just enchanted, really. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because yeah, wow. I think that was my worries, because I've got a few friends that are interested in playing it, but they're not as deeply involved with Star Wars lore and things like that. Yeah. And I was worried about recommending it for him because I didn't want them to sort of get lost. Yeah. And not understand what the hell was going on. No, hundred percent. If if you have a vague understanding of what the Force is, what Jedi are, then yeah. you'll understand what's going on. Excellent. That's Wicked. cool. Wicked. I have a question, however, yeah. and I guess it's born from a bit of paranoia as well. And this is what is going to sway my purchase <laughs> for Fallen Order oh, because okay. I've 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 kept myself blind to Fallen Order basically oh, yeah, because I know it's like I know it's kind of soulsy, kind of not, and I know that it's really good apparently. Yeah. However. It's obviously developed by Respawn, published by EA. Yep. So I have to ask, what's the catch? Where's the EA bullshit? There is absolutely <laughs> no EA bullshit. The only You're shitting the me. thing I can see, and it was publicised quite heavily, um, is if you swing your lightsaber at a stormtrooper, you can't lock their arms off, you can't lock their heads off, anything like that, like the old Star Wars games. Yeah, um, that's basically it. any human character you can't rip them to shreds like that, or any humanoid character really. So no microtransactions, no, no loot no boxes, no cosmetic NTX. Every really? collectible I've come across in the game is all in the game from the get-go. The only wow. pay-for content I've got is my pre-order and premium content for getting the deluxe edition. Hmm. Uh, but that's on me because I desperately wanted the deluxe edition because I love that game and I love Respawn as a company, so I wanted to give them my money. In, well, in terms of that premium content, does it add anything that you wouldn't normally get in the game, or is it just cosmetic kind of stuff? Uh, like, it's, it's just cosmetic stuff. Um, right. A few people have have moaned about it actually. Like, it's only because one of the key cosmetics it adds, because obviously you get a lightsaber, and obviously you can customize the lightsaber. That's, that's yeah. Part of Star Wars gaming. Yeah, uh, mm. it locks behind a pre-purchase wall a orange lightsaber, and uh. a lot of people are moaning because that would then make orange canon. Uh, oh, okay. They, they want they don't like the idea of canon lightsabers being hidden behind um, pre-order walls. <laughs> Other than that, like, I mean, makes sense. Add-on stuff. Hmm. Well, I'll be damned. I, yeah, I'm quite surprised. I would be damned. Yeah, same. It seems like it. It is 
sort of this weird anomaly through EA, like this this weird maybe turning point even for you know, not just not just EA but Respawn as well. You know, obviously they developed Titanfall two in the past, but you know it's it's weird hearing that you know there's an EA published game that has a lot of like sort of um, direction given by EA yeah. that doesn't have a catch or any bullshit. It's I think I saw a webcomic the other day that perfectly summed it up where it showed a respawn developer working on the game whilst an EA executive in a suit was over their shoulder. And he was like, so what is this you're working on? Is it, it's a new Star Wars game. It's like, that, you see, you keep using that word game, but I'm not seeing any loot boxes. <laughs> I don't think that's a game. <laughs> so that is accurate, but I do hope that this is like a turning point that EA will see that, yeah, I'm sorry, but multiplayer games are fine, but single-player games that just let you have everything from the start, this is what we wanted. This is the sort of thing we all really wanted to spend our time on, and this has so far been absolutely killing it, as far as I can tell. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's been selling extremely well as well, and this is, you know, this is the same EA who, I quote, said that single-player games were just not profitable and were dying, you know? So to have this become one of their biggest releases of the year is huge hopefully it'll turn some heads and get them focused more on stuff because i'd, I'd like to see a sequel i really would mm. definitely definitely so i guess on the topic of sequels we'll move on to the other star wars stuff that's been surrounding the uh the whole uh community recently and that's obviously the mandalorian and then rise of the skywalker as well episode nine which is coming out next month so i mean personally I'm extremely hyped for episode nine, and I'm going to go see it with with my partner Clarice pretty much day one, if not week one. Uh, even as a casual Star Wars fan, it's sort of just, just a tradition now, basically, just to go to the cinema and just watch this amazing spectacle, the end of this sort of trilogy of trilogies, so to speak. So I'm really interested to hear you two's thoughts on sort of both the Mandalorian and then also this upcoming film as well, because obviously you two are quite veteran when it comes to the uh, the franchise at large. So I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts. I think, yeah, I think the Mandalorian itself, we could do an entire podcast on it. It was, it was, <laughs> there was even talk about us doing it, and it still may happen. Uh, there's, I mean, yeah, the man, I mean, oh, where do I start with the Mandalorian? <laughs> well, uh, it's, is it yes, good? <laughs> yes, it is. It's very, very, very good. It's, for me, it's a kind of a dream come true because I'm a self confessed uh, FET fan. I am a Fett fanboy, without doubt. So that's Boba and Jango. Uh, Fett fetishist. Yeah, if you, if you like. <laughs> uh, and just the whole Mandalorians, the, the whole bounty hunter culture, I am just completely obsessed with it in the Star Wars universe. Uh, I had my high hopes that they were going to do the Boba Fett movie. Uh, fingers crossed it might still happen. But then when they announced the Mandalorian series, it was, again, like a dream come true. I was like, well, this will do for now. And now I've seen... The, the first two episodes, it's it's more than it'll do for now. It's it's just oh, it's a it's brilliant. I could sit here and gush about this all night. It's I am so <laughs> thrilled with this series. It just ticks all the boxes for me. It's got Baby Yoda. How can't you love it? Oh, the yodling <laughs> is the best. Yeah, that's not a bad name for it. I've the been yodling. calling it yodling to so many people, and everyone's just like, no, it's Baby Yoda. It's like no, it's yodling. Yeah, it's this, this, this is uh, it's almost a trigger for me. It is. And this is why I have to announce now, it is not a baby Yoda. It's a baby whatever the hell Yoda is. Exactly. 
<laughs> Yoda is his name, not his species, so it can't be a baby Yoda. Unless he's named after his species. No, because divided on what Yoda's species actually is. Yeah, and then you wouldn't have uh, Yaddle. Yes. Yaddle is the female Yoda species. Yes. Fair so, is. I've been taught. But yes, but I could gush about it. I mean, I would just sit here and say it's amazing. Uh, I love every minute of it. Uh, I'm so looking forward to looking, watching the next episode. Uh, but I think Will's probably the best one to go into detail about the the canon, the non-canon, the, the what he likes, what he doesn't in terms of technicalities. I mean, oh, definitely. So far, it's it's like it's only two episodes in. Obviously, we've got the third one today, um, but it's it's hit the mark perfectly every time so far. And like you say, it's it's going on with the whole Django Fett and Boba Fett weren't Mandalorians. Yeah. That's the canon at the minute. Um, and this series is showing us what Mandalorians are actually like uh, yeah. in live action. I mean, they've been in Clone Wars, they've been in Rebels. we got a good idea of what their culture's like, but this is sort of showing another side to it, like the more nomadic side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Like the first episode where you see the what is essentially a, a camp of Mandalorians. Oh, that was amazing. That was so good. Watching him walk down that corridor... And just seeing all the the various other Mandalorians in their armor, yeah. it, it wasn't like super futuristic. It was like a tribe in the dark. Yeah. Like, you know, it's almost like their entire sort of culture has been shunned to an extent, and they have yeah. to hide away in the shadows and have to. It's. I mean, personally, from what I understand and from what I can see so far in the two episodes, it almost looks that something has gone wrong with their culture, and now they're trying to rebuild it, but they have to do it. But they're still sort of shunned from society. That's so, actually a part, of, a part of Rebels goes into that. Right, um, okay. See, I haven't seen Rebels. See, that's the thing. Yeah. It's shown that the Empire definitely get, basically takes control of Mandalore and right. um, imposes their own laws and forces certain Mandalorians to fight in their armies as like super commandos. Ah, okay, and that makes sense now. Why sort yeah. of the remnants of their culture are in the shadows and trying to rebuild what what they used to have. They sort of rise up in defiance. Obviously, they don't have a lot going to uh, fight an army, but they try. So, God bless them. <laughs> it obviously, yeah. doesn't end well. It doesn't show you the real outcome in Rebels. Okay. Right. Uh, this seems, like you say, show an outcome of they didn't do very well, but they have survived. So right. Okay. Cool. Win loss, really. But you, if you survived, as far as I'm concerned, you've won. You've done yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Makes sense. <laughs> so I guess moving on from Star Wars, then we'll move on to uh, another property that promises not intergalactic, but at least global scale. Uh, Google Stadia, which has uh, gone through the the sort of wash cycle now and is anticipating. I think it's anticipating its full release, or it has released. Um, but definitely, we've been seeing some reviews coming out for the uh, the service, and it's not pretty in short it is missing a lot of features the games are all right but they're quite outdated um there's lots of problems with latency as one would expect and just generally things like you know the controller being impossible to open without breaking it into tiny little shards it's i just also like, saw that video as well uh, where you had to use the heat gun it yeah, didn't go well yeah. yeah no not at all not at all so i guess 
you know, it's 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 interesting to think why this was such a misstep. I mean, obviously Google has had a a, a history of cancelling services, of sort of pushing these pipe dreams, cancelling them or just leaving them to die. So it's weird to think maybe you know Stadia will follow suit here. You know, maybe this will be just another six months of them promoting Stadia before it's dead in the water. So I guess my question to you guys is. You know, was this inevitable? Was it something that we knew from the start? Or, you know, are you guys genuinely surprised it's failed? I am not even remotely surprised. Um, And a a tweet (laughs) I saw just a few days ago sums it up perfectly. I'm sorry, Google are good at one thing and one thing only, and that is keeping Google running. Uh, Everything else they put their hand to fails. Like Google Plus failed. Google Glass failed. YouTube is absolute balls. Um, it's mm-hmm. terrible for creators, it's terrible for people who just want to watch a video without being inundated with ads and then forced oh. to pay £8 a month if they the, don't want the ads. The ads on YouTube are properly doing my head in. Now they've introduced this one of three adverts. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, what? That's terrible. They can't do anything besides run that website and frankly, the website like Google alone makes them enough money they could just go, right, we'll just stop trying to fuck around and just make this thing work constantly. Yeah and being the go-to for everyone. I think the, the issue that Google have is they, they're, they're, trying, they're overreaching. And yeah. I, I honestly genuinely believe that Stadia probably started out as a technical exercise to see what they could do with their mainframes and with their, their, their networking structure. And someone somewhere went, we can see, we'll see if we make some money out of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It definitely reeks of some sort of... Um experiment that was going on maybe in the dev facilities or something or in the offices you know going oh look if i hook these two servers together i can use the processing power of this server to play i don't know shadow of the tomb raider and i could have it on my phone and then some big wig or some manager walked past and went hang on we can can sell sell this i honestly (laughs) generally do not believe it's been fully tested before it's been released definitely and i mean there's been a lot of stuff from obviously mobile networks from you know Vodafone and O2 trying to support it the best they can but you know you look at all these companies on limited data plans even in the US where it's you know Stadia is mainly shipping and they cap you out at a terabyte of data yeah. a month and this service is using about 30 gigs maybe in I want to say a couple of hours yeah. It's just like you know. Well, I can't. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna run out on an unlimited yeah, data plan definitely. at some point. I mean, what I can't get my head around is some of the big AAA titles that they're pushing. This whole you can play anywhere. You can even play on your phone. I sure as hell don't want to play Destiny Two on my phone. Yeah, I, I don't definitely. want to be playing Red Dead Redemption Two on my phone in work or something. No, like, it's, I want yeah. to sit down in my big comfy chair and yeah. play it on a big screen. Exactly. Yeah, I understand why they're pushing yeah. this whole play anywhere thing which is an amazing concept it is great but it doesn't mean play everything anywhere exactly and i think that's a big issue as well as that you know google obviously had considerations for the lineup the starting point for stadia and they sort of just picked random cats out of the bag because like when i think of like a service that will enable you to play any game anywhere my first impression would be right competitive races competitive shooters yeah competitive like um like strategy games possibly and you know maybe something else akin to i don't know mario Kart. you know 
stuff like that, party games that you would be able to play with friends, yep. uh, you know, on the same subscription, no matter where you go. So if you're in the car, you know, going on a road trip with your buddies or something, then you could whip out your phones, play something yeah. on Stadia. Wicked. Or if you're on a flight and, you know, you're there with maybe some team members from your work, whip out your phones, go on Stadia, play some co-op FPS titles or something, yeah. you know? Something well, the thing that. is, I mean... But instead, it's it's purely like, oh, here's three versions of Tomb Raider. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, look how, how uh, successful COD Mobile's been recently. That's been yeah. hugely successful, but it was designed to be played on a mobile. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why Definitely. it works. That I, I genuinely do not believe you could take the COD that's recently released and play that on a phone and get the same experience. Not, no, not at all. Exactly. Again, Google did not consult a single gamer while they were producing this device. Oh, goodness, no. I don't think they went anywhere near someone who actually plays video games. No. Again, it's like uh, Joe said. There's clearly a big week somewhere that's gone, we can make money out of this tech, let's do it. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Definitely. It's a bit telling when you see, like, obviously Apple released Apple Arcade relatively uh, recently as well. And that's been doing really, really well because it's actually bringing some quality gates to mobile gaming, you know. And it's bringing games and, and indie games which people want to be able to play on the go or, you know, if they're limited with their tech that they want to experience. And it's compiling them in a nice, easy-to-sort library. Yeah. You know, there's no bullshit, you know, microtransaction games. There's no, like, Temple Run or Candy Crush in there or anything. They're proper games from proper developers with, you know just a single price it's like game pass but it's for mobile games and you know that's been working incredibly well and i believe a big reason for that is because they actually sat down with some gamers went right we know mobile gaming shit how do we make it better yeah <laughs> yeah so blah oh well rest in yeah, peace stadia you will last. not if be it does, it'll be some niche product that some people will buy purely just to show off it won't be some yeah. Some some yeah. wanker we all know will just be like, oh, I've got a stadium. It's amazing. Yeah. I can play games anywhere. It's like, yeah. oh, no, no, no. And I can almost guarantee 100 percent it will hold its price. It will soon start appearing in CEX. You can guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. Rest in peace, Stadia. May we bury you next to on live and ET in the desert. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Desert. Well, desert. Landfill, no, right? make it into a nuke. We need to make it into a nuclear yeah, fallout crater. <laughs> And I guess speaking on the, uh, the the more dramatic and unexpected side of life, Valve has arisen from their dusty tomb and actually graced the world with an announcement of Half-Life, uh, Half-Life Alex, which is a VR sort of triple A-ish title, which is aiming to be Half-Life 3, but not Half-Life 3 in a way. It's really, really weird. And I almost guarantee you this is just an experiment for them to set out some marketing metrics and go, right, will people be interested in Half-Life 3? <laughs> Why they would need to do that, I don't know, given the fact that the player base has been waiting for how many years now? <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. But I guess, are you guys excited? You know? Oh, I was never a big Half-Life fan. And I know as someone who plays video games near religiously, that so. Like, blasphemy <laughs> but hmm. um I'm, I'm not gonna say it was bad i'm not gonna say i didn't enjoy my time playing it but i didn't get all that into it so when everyone goes half-life hmm. 3 needs to be a thing i'm sort of like yeah i could take it or leave it i'd play it if it came out but i don't really care 
and now this is rolled yeah. along, and it's like VR. I'm like, oh, now I doubly don't care because I, I can't do <laughs> VR. It makes me feel sick, and <laughs> Half Life never interested me that much anyway. So I, I, I won't follow it really. I think I'm largely in the same camp there. Like I've got Half Life One and Two basically in my library on Steam because I bought a massive like bundle pack from Valve basically during one of the summer sales, and I've just never touched it. Honestly, I know that's like you said, blasphemy for a gamer, but I just have no interest right now. I feel like its time has come and gone, and I think that the the only thing keeping it well semi relevant and the only reason why this game exists is purely because of those people that just stand on their rooftops at night shrieking out, you know, announce Half Life Three. Well, so <laughs> I'm sorry, but me and my friends had a very nice time up there the other night. Uh, well, at least you didn't that's fall very, off. Very true. No, I mean I'm. <laughs> Of the, I'm at the point where I loved Half-Life the first one. I loved the second one. Uh, I was introduced to Half-Life through a friend of mine who would have regular LAN matches at his house. So we That's would all weird. take our crappily home-built, scraped-together PCs that could just about run the game on a low setting round to his house and have <laughs> an absolute... It was, oh, it was having a ball. It was brilliant. And that's what got me into Half-Life, and that's why I was excited when I heard they were making a new Half-Life game. But then when I found out it was VR, I lost all interest completely. Because oh, it's not shame. Half-Life 3 as far as I'm concerned. I know people will argue, it is, this, you know, this is the Half-Life 3. Maybe this is what they had in mind all the time. I agree with you that I, it's more of a, a technical demo. Look, we can do this on VR. Do you want us to sort of progress it further? Or do you actually really want the game that I know you all really want anyway? Yeah, and I have a feeling as you know, in terms of technical demos, I think it's also a, a demo for the physics engines as well, because if it can work in VR, then obviously you've got a unique selling point for Half Life Three. You can play it in, yeah, you know, on on your desktop, or you can play it in VR. You know, but I think it's testing the engine, getting back to the grips of game development, and just sort of you know, getting getting used to being Valve again. Yeah, you know, not just being the Steam guys, but being Valve once again. So it's, I think it's kind of like that that weird hiccup period for for the developer right now, and you know I'm interested by it. I'm not gonna lie, I'll probably watch a playthrough of it, but I do need to revisit. Well, I say revisit, actually sit down and visit <laughs> Half Life One and Two first before that. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> consider it lukewarm. Yeah, I mean this. I mean to be fair, this sits in the same basket as the. The Battlefield game, they, oh no, is it a Medal of Honor they brought out VR? Yeah, Medal of... I think yeah, it, yeah, I think was it was it? Medal of Honor VR. It sits in the same basket. No one asks for it. People will play it, but we won't care if it goes away in a couple of weeks or months or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And I guess on that bracket as well, not giving a crap about anything that really, you know, not giving a crap about a game that will probably be gone in a few weeks, uh, Shenmue 3. I know there's been a lot of hype regarding this release, but there's also been a hell of a lot of controversy surrounding it as well. And now the game is finally released. Um, obviously, there were some issues with the embargo deadline as well. Um, we did get quite a nice care package from our friends at Kosh Media, so thank you very much to the guys over there for sending us that. Uh, but I guess, speaking on a more atypical and uh, unbiased route here, Shenmue 3, does anyone here really care? Um... I certainly don't. <laughs> My entire knowledge of Shenmue is I'm watching uh, a playthrough of Shenmue at the minute, and mm. it it's 
final episode dropped a couple of days ago. It's 32 episodes long, each episode about an hour, and the last 10 have been forklift missions. Um, and that, to me, just <laughs> speaks so much for the game. And it's... Yeah, I, it, I think technically it's very clever, and it was amazing for its time. But looking back on it, I'm sorry, but it's garbage. Shenmue's garbage, Shenmue 2 was garbage, and Shenmue 3, I'm sorry, it just looks like it's going to be more garbage, but prettier. That's about it. Is it another case of people just not caring about Shenmue? Is it a case of just another game that's perhaps be, well, had its time I, I think, gone? Yeah, its time's been and gone. It's taken too long to get to this point, and yeah. most of the fans have probably moved on by now. Most likely, most likely. Lance, have you had any experience with Shenmue? As a uh, I don't even know what it's about. Uh, Fair I, know enough. A, I know there's a thought <laughs> in it because you see the memes, and I think at one point it was big on the Dreamcast, wasn't it? It was a uh, yeah, uh, yeah launch title for the Dreamcast, basically. That's pretty much what. Oh, and the guy wears a leather jacket. Yeah, that's about it. That's that's <laughs> pretty pretty, that's that there is the limit of my knowledge, and I struggle to remember if the jacket was leather or if it was just red. Uh, it's like brown leather and it's got like yeah. an American flag patch on it. And that's right, it. okay. Well, that is the limit. So you, you already know miles more than I do about it. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not so... It's, it wouldn't even appear on my radar. I don't mind flying under. It's... I've been watching this run through and all that's appealed to me is that um, you can play Space Harrier in it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but... Oh, that's quite a cool. Game, a game that's good on the basis of having just... just having Another game, game in game it. ...of all time in it. <laughs> That's yeah. great. That is a bit weird to think. This game's really good because you get to play another game in it. Yeah, you get to play Space Harrier, and that's amazing. <laughs> that's a good game, actually. To be fair, that Space Harrier is a good game. Yeah, fair. Fun fact: I've actually got Shenmue One and Two actually on the uh, Dreamcast. I picked it up at a uh, retro gaming market actually, like a, a few years ago. Imagine, right, I think. I was going to say before you say the price, it's probably too much. Uh, no, actually, it was about 20 quid, actually, for both games. So, see, I'd still say that's too much. <laughs> it was, well, probably. Because I, yeah, but, but no, I mean, fair enough. I've, I've got no incentive to go and play them. <laughs> so, and I've got no incentive to go and play Shenmue 3. Yeah, so. I think we're all in the same boat on that one. But I know for a fact there's probably going to be members of Respawning that will completely argue with Stan on that one. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. So, Moving from uh, one game titled with the number three to another game titled with the number three, Borderlands 3 has obviously sucked up a lot of your life at the moment, oh, Mars. Yeah. So, why? <laughs> this is the weird question, because I've had a couple of people ask me this. I don't know. I genuinely don't know why Borderlands 3 has resonated with me more than the other titles, because it's an uh-huh. almost, gen- almost genetic copy of the previous games, just prettier, I would say. It's the same yeah, fetch quest, yeah. it's the same humour, it's pretty much the same characters. I mean, yes, they've got slightly different skills, but it's the same, choose a vault hunter, they've all got a skill tree, build up a skill tree, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But it's, I think, comparing it to the other titles that I've played, this one just seems a hell of a lot more polished, and all the things that I kind of found niggly in the previous titles... I've been completely ironed out in this one. And, yeah, and the, the storyline, even though I've said in my review, some of the characters properly do my head in, and they really, really did my head in. So kudos for the writers on that one, because as I said in my review, 
they've made bad guys I hate with a passion. It, it's the, the, just drawn me in. And there's some really awesome, awesome moments. If you really dig into the skin of Borderlands 3 and go out and find those little side missions, there's been some absolutely hilarious side missions and some really, really heartwarming ones. So, I mean, I think that's what struck me most about the game is how much the writers and how much Gearbox have self-munched thought they've put into not just the main actual game, but the little things that you can go off and explore and find for yourself. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. spoil it for those that haven't played yet and still want to, but there's one particular mission I played literally only a couple of days ago where you have to go and visit someone because they've invited you to come over for a dance. And you've been asked to put on your dancing shoes and go and have a dance. As ridiculous and as stupid that sounds, it is such a heartwarming little story, that one, that it really properly choked me up at the end of it. Oh. And it's, yeah, and it's things like that that make me invest more into a game to the point where I've now got yeah. three different playthroughs on the go. Different characters, yeah. Wow. A different, well, two of them. Are one of them is a different character. Uh, the other one is on what known as true vault, true hunt, uh, true vault hunter mode, which is ramps up difficulty but gives you better drops. And the other one, which is mayhem mode, which allows you to basically farm bosses for better drops, so you can be that collectionist. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That's cool because like Borderlands is a franchise that I've sort of held very dear to my heart, but. I sort of fell out of after Borderlands 2, you know, with the pre-sequel came out and everything, you know, and it's always been a franchise where I said, right, well, if Gearbox is to release a quadrilogy pack of maybe Borderlands 1, Complete Edition, Borderlands 2, Borderlands pre-sequel, and Borderlands 3 on the Switch, I would buy that day fucking one. Like, even if they released them individually, like, over the span of maybe, like, two years, Borderlands on the Switch I would, would be amazing. eat them up. Yeah, I would eat that up like crazy. But, like, you know, it's it's... The reason why I didn't go into the pre-sequels because I played the first, like, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes. And then it just sat in with me. And I just went, this is just the same as Borderlands 2, just it's less interesting. Yeah, yeah I did I did so, find the sequel, pre-sequel and the Tales from the Borderlands as well, which was almost like a Telltale Batman series, which is like a, like a motion yeah. sort of comic, sort of interactive comic thing. Yeah, I didn't yeah. find those particularly interesting. It was nice to find some of the backstory, but they didn't hold hmm. my attention because it wasn't so much you could do much in them. It was very, now go over here and push this button. Now go over here and this person. Yeah. And that's pretty much yeah. the, the, the whole game. Hmm. But, but yeah, but Borderlands 3 has just sucked me in. It's just, uh, I mean, I've, I've had late night sessions when I really should be going to bed and I haven't been able to put the controller down. But it, and this <laughs> is the weird paradox. The sessions where I haven't been able to put the controller down is doing activities that I've already previously done. But because it was so good, I wanted to do it again and again and again. <laughs> it just—it sounds mad. <laughs> it really sounds mad, but it—it's just completely taken me by surprise. Uh, Borderlands very completely. Cycle of yeah. addiction. Yeah, but it's—it's it's, it's a paradox <laughs> of addiction because it's almost the definition yeah. of insane: doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. All right, all right. calm down, boss. <laughs> Calm down, calm down. We don't need you taking over a tropical island now. <laughs> and 
obviously we've been talking a lot about Star Wars today as well, but um, just quickly as well, I wanted to actually plug a little stream that some people are going to be doing, uh, specifically Will. I think Luke, I don't know who oh, else helped me out here, Will, uh, Lance. Me, Lance, Luke and Hav are going to be playing Battlefront 2. Yes. Wicked, wicked. That's going to be pretty much off the stream. Much so after, yeah. I hope you... Yeah. Hey, so, uh... I'm taking my headset off. <laughs> Yeah. Well, obviously, as you uh, as you guys hearing this, we'll uh, probably be hearing this in a in a day or two, as uh, Mike it requires some time to edit. Um, obviously, please go back and watch that stream. I'm sure it's going to be hilarious. I'm sure it's going to be a fun time. And uh, yeah, you guys have a hell of a lot of fun. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to what I've been told so far is that Luke just shouts Star Wars every time he gets a kill. He doesn't even shout Star Wars. He just no? shouts Star War. Oh, nice. Every time he gets a kill, because he did it once when we played Battlefront 1 together, and I laughed at it, and then he's decided to do it every time. Nice. He just <laughs> amuses himself now. It's great. Oh, 100%. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. And I guess on the topic of Luke, then, one thing he's been doing is shoving my face in the dirt regarding Pokemon Sword and Shield, because he is a damn fucking <laughs> fanboy for those games. Uh, obviously, Pokemon Sword and Shield has, well, ever since its announcement, basically, been making waves and headlines for controversies like the Dexit situation, for missing features, for, you know, all these texture and visual issues, audio issues, you name it, it's got it. But, unfortunately, despite all that, and despite all the protesting from the community, Pokemon Sword and Shield has been the fastest-selling exclusive title across any platform for the whole year, only being beaten out by Call of Duty and FIFA, which aren't version exclusives. And holy crap, it's the third fa- fastest selling game of the whole year. Jesus Christ, how did that happen? It's Pokemon, <laughs> isn't it? That's, 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 Where did it go that's wrong? How... I was literally just going to say, it, it's a Pokemon game. What yeah. did you expect is going to happen here? There's, they're true, they're always going to sell Pokemon games. It could be, even if it's just a code to go and buy it, they're still going to be able to sell it. Yeah. I think that's what they did in Japan, actually. You had almost lotteries to queue up and purchase the game. doesn't surprise me one bit. Pokemon is a franchise that will always sell. I don't think there's ever going to be a point where people are going to go, nah, don't want a Pokemon, I'm bored of that now. It's never going to happen. And I think this is a cycle with Pokemon, is you've got generation after generation that are just going to keep introducing their children and their children and their children and their children. And And it's just going to keep repeating the cycle and they're going to keep pumping out the games. It's going to, always going to happen. I, for one, welcome our Pikachu Overlord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> See, myself, because I'm sort of a staunch member of that whole, you know, I'm not going to fucking buy it because Game Freak doesn't deserve my money. I'm, I'm a staunch defender of that crowd just because I genuinely believe that, you know, Sword and Shield is just a lazy product, in my opinion. I mean... Obviously, I'm not going to fall out of Pokemon as a franchise completely, which, I mean, as you just said there, speaks to the staying power of Pokemon as a franchise and just the sort of domination of the gaming industry. But I'm not going to be buying Sword and Shield. But if the Sinnoh remakes come out, then fuck it. I might dip into my wallet because I've got a soft spot for Sinnoh. I haven't got a clue what that is. The fourth generation of Pokemon, yeah. Pokemon Diamond. I and knew Pearl. it was a place and that's about all I knew. <laughs> Right, okay. Ah, fair enough. See, fair I'm enough. I'm the generation yeah. where I knew Pikachu and his friends. And that's <laughs> about where it stopped. <laughs> so oh, you sweet I summer child. Cartoons, I 
did collect some of the cards, and then that's pretty much where it stopped. Yeah, I can no get way. like silver and gold was about the time that I jumped off. Right. Like, okay. I pay enough attention to understand what's sort of going on, but I haven't properly played a game to completion since then. Fair. It's really interesting because I actually um, I hopped on during Ruby and Sapphire, which is interesting. That was when I was in uh, primary school. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm constantly inundated with all the latest Pokemon's from my partner because Kim, she's really into the Pokemon. She she knows a lot about the Pokemon, but even she will stop at a certain generation of Pokemon and she goes, "Well, that's such and such a generation. I'm not interested in those." Yeah, basically, I think I'm at that point now where I'm just. I'm looking at the latest generation of Pokemon, just going, uh, maybe. But then you've got the younger generation to us that will lap this up. That will oh, be, yeah, definitely. Do... definitely. I can guarantee my my little brother and sister, they've probably already purchased yeah. it. And they'll, they'll know all so. of the latest gen Pokemon. But they won't take an interest exactly. in the previous ones. They'll only be interested in, mm-hmm. the, in the new latest ones. And I yeah. think that's why, why Pokemon exactly. will always be successful, because they'll always keep making them. <laughs> they'll always be they'll always Just be keep, and in brackets new keep the gravy train rolling <laughs> so we'll move on to our last sort of overarching topic of the evening any other news has there been anything in the industry that's caught your eye recently has there been anything maybe somewhat outside of the industry that's caught your eye maybe some funny stories interesting stories a rant you guys want to go on oh uh, the only thing I I can talk about is going back to Fallen Order, basically, because it has been obsessing me. But um, I've actually just received a message from my friend who is, like I say, running through the game and he's having a hard time with the combat. Uh, I told him earlier to watch out for a particular particular enemy type because I said even I struggled with it and I still do. I've finished the game and I still have a hard time with this guy. Uh, and I immediately received a message from him just saying i found him and then he's gone i'm turning the difficulty down i can't do this this sucks i hate it <laughs> i hate having to go back because i failed a section and i was like man do not ever touch a dark souls game then because that is a, a whiny <laughs> no. bitch attitude like this is if you're going to look at this as a Soulsborne game this is the easiest Soulsborne game ever made yeah i had that same sort of mantra initially with yeah. bloodborne when uh, i first was introduced to the concept of soulsborne games i got to yarnum i got to i think near the cleric beast i kept dying about 15 20 25 30 times yeah. i just gave up and traded in a cex <laughs> yeah see i have got very limited experience with any of the dark soul type games and i actually i think i mentioned this in one of our uh games that bored us i think it was yeah because uh, yeah. I mentioned that it wasn't necessarily a game that bored me, but it was a game that frustrated me, and it was uh, Nior or oh, Nior. Yes. yes. Purely because. Nior? Yeah, Nior. I think purely because <laughs> I hated the way the game made me feel useless. Yeah. And that's probably why I have stayed away from most Soul games, because I've seen my partner play them, and she loves them, but. Even she, I mean, she's playing through Newell now, I think it is. And even, and I said to her literally the other day, How's it going, you know, with Newell? Because she never played it. And she went, I'm having a break. I said, well, why, why are you having a break? And she went, Because there's one particular boss that I can't beat. So I'm giving myself some time off so I can go back to it fresh. And as much as I don't mind that idea, because there have been games that I've played in the past, I don't, obviously, I haven't asked her how many times she's actually died, but there is a certain limit with myself where. 
if I'm dying constantly, I just know that's it. I'm I'm made to feel useless. I can't feel like I can't get past it, and I will give up on the game. That's really interesting, actually. Like that explaining that feeling of uselessness within a Soulsborne title, because, like, I, that's the first time I've heard actually someone say, you know, this game has made me feel useless because of X, Y, and Z, and. I don't think it's a topic that's actually been explored all that much actually within the, the Soulsborne community because it's very much pushed towards a sort of a traditional get good sort yeah, of mantra. Yeah, and I, I totally understand um, those that can come at the game and go, right, I'm crap right now, but in so many hours play, I'm going to be, I'll know yeah. what I'm doing. I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying that I want easy games because I'm quite happy to play certain games in a harder setting and I'm doing it with Borderlands 3 for goodness sakes. But. There is with the difference between that and a Souls game is when I'm playing through on a higher difficulty on something like Borderlands Three, when I defeat that enemy, it's not the twenty seventh time. Yeah. And even yeah. I know, and I'm still getting a challenge, and I know it's hard, and there is a sense of achievement. I've never had a sense of achievement with any of the Souls games that I've tried, and I've tried Neor, I played Neor, uh, I played the original Souls game, and I played a little bit of Bloodborne. And mm. none of them, for me, gave me any sense of achievement. It just, it just felt like a slog. And interesting. Yeah, and I know for a fact that my point of view is completely different from a lot of others. Mm. I'll tell you what, this would make for a fantastic read. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm more than happy to put this down in, in, a, in an article if anybody's interested to sort of to oh, read yes. my inner workings and my thought pattern when it comes to the Souls games and why and how oh, they yeah. actually generally affect my psyche, so to speak. Yeah, because like, like I said earlier, this isn't a topic that's very well discussed within the Soulsborne community. Um, and it's definitely like a unique viewpoint for someone to take for these sort of games because you very much hear either, oh, I gave up because this game was hard or, you know, oh, I continued because I wanted to get good. But you don't ever hear... I gave up because this game made me feel bad about myself and made me feel really, really <laughs> Pretty shit. Pretty much. I mean, because <laughs> I know that I've got skills when it comes to certain games. I know that I'm mm. good at first-person shooters. I know that I'm good at RTS games. And it's not blowing my own trumpet. Yeah. It's just because I've got the experience of playing those type of games. Um, and again, yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, there will always be arguments like this. Maybe it's because I've not put enough time into the Souls-type games to get that sort of level of skill. But then, hmm. you know, I've, I've played games that I've never played before that are of a different genre, and I still get a sense of achievement from doing them. But, and again, it yeah. still it goes back to the, I don't feel like I'm achieving anything in the Souls games. I get hmm. that. I 100% get that. And, that, and yeah, I, I think this is one of the things that I'm really concerned about pick, picking up Fallen Order, because I really, really want to play the game but I don't want to be bitterly disappointed for to be like within the first half an hour to an hour and thinking this is too hard. This is, I'm not getting any enjoyment from this. Hmm. I mean, Will, what would you think about that? Like, obviously you've played for the game to completion yeah. now. Would you say it fits that bill? Is it one of those games where you'll give up no. sort of well, after the first few hours? Or? Like I said, I've tried a fair few Soulsborne games and I've had the same feeling as Lance that I feel useless and go, right, this is making me feel bad so i'm going to play something that i'm good at um but this game just you pick it up very very quickly and at no point do i feel like overwhelmed i guess right 
Okay. Um, my whole my whole experience through it was like as you get more power, you you get better. That's about it. Yeah. Like it's yeah. gone to the point now oh, where groups sense. of enemies yeah. that were giving me problems, I can just force push them off a cliff and call it a day. Yeah. See, uh, I like the games where they give you as you progress, you feel more and more and more and more powerful. Yeah. That's right. what I like. Yeah. Um, the only time I struggled properly with the game in any way is in fact the final boss where it took me a, about 10 attempts to finally win yeah the final boss for me and I've got that far I don't mind putting in the effort to beat him but when it oh. comes to first or second boss and I'm like you know 20 25 times in and I'm like this is taking the mick now yeah, no. yeah I mean yeah. I've, I've played games like for honor and I was really bad at that game to start with but I got used to the whole parry move dodge sort of mechanics so i'm kind of used to that i understand how that works and i know it's different in every game that uses that kind of mechanic so i'm not completely put off by the idea of having to dodge or having to parry or timing your attacks when it comes to that sort of thing in fallen order but yeah like i was saying it's just my worry of the the difficulty curve i can tell you right now that worry is unfounded sir cool well that's actually uh, set my mind at ease and i think a lot of listeners as well will probably think that as well because I know a few of my mm. friends won't touch the Souls games because it's like, well, no, they're just too hard. What's the point? And they've heard that about Fallen Order. So I'm, I'm, it's cool you've cleared that one up. One. I appreciate that. No worries. Wicked. <laughs> Wicked. And I guess on that relieving note, we'll be ending today's episode of the podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed episode 17. And we will be back with another iteration of the Respawning podcast relatively soon. Hopefully a bit sooner than last time. <laughs> but hey, you know, oh. Christmas is coming up, so we can do a Christmas special or something. We can all sing. I'm yeah, I, think, I'm, I think I might be busy on that day. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe me too. <laughs> So, if you guys want to continue listening to our lovely, lovely voices, we've got a variety of other episodes of the podcast over on our Podomatic, on Spotify, on, I think, some of the services here and there as well. Mikey's going to shoot me for not remembering (laughs) them. But, you know what? They're out there. If you search for them, you will find them. We're also over on YouTube as well, if you want to immediately hear and maybe even see our lovely voices and faces. uh, We've got a variety of videos as well, obviously. We've got the uh, Star Wars Battlefront stream tonight as well so if you uh, are a time traveller you know, go in, tune in for that otherwise please do go back and watch that and some of our other content also, as well quickly, uh, sorry, I just want to say and I'm oh, exclusively oh, at the moment oh. represents Respawning over on the Mixer channels uh, recent, recently yes, set up definitely. so if you guys are on Mixer and it's completely free to log into Mixer you just need to create an account you're not charged for anything but there's, as I'm sure you've seen in the news recently a lot of the Twitchers have gone over to uh, uh, mixer so you we're, i'm in good company so feel free to come and check out some of my videos of respawning over on mixer definitely definitely we are over on twitch as well for the meantime as well but mixer is looking to be our new permanent home so do check that out and obviously facebook twitter all that good stuff we're there as well including our patreon as well please do make sure to check that out as well if you want to get some sick merch and to get your hands on maybe a couple of t-shirts here and there and to help influence some of our content and our podcast as well. So that'd be an interesting mix. I wonder how that would work out. <laughs> Hopefully not in a very demeaning and damning way. So, you know, I'm just saying, I don't exactly want to sing Barbie Girl from no. Aqua on, on no, a podcast, Jesus I. Christ. Saying that, I've given you an idea, so that's an incentive <laughs> to sign up. <laughs> 
Brilliant. And with that, we will bid you adieu. Stay warm during this cold and harsh weather, lovely listeners, and I hope to see you... Well, I can't really say see, because I'm not seeing you. You're not seeing me. But we it's can. Okay. One day, we'll get Maybe. Joe either on a stream with a video <laughs> camera, or we'll get him doing a video review, and we'll put his face in the corner for you. God forbid. And with that, we bid you farewell. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Thank you.